the Sports Career Podcast, episode 290. What are the benefits of systems in business? sports achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the sports career podcast i'm your host ed bowers as always my goal each week provide you a special guest who will inspire encourage you to be the best version of yourself with regards to your career development i hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs now before i talk about this week's podcast special guest are you part of my new community My new community is all about having your back during your sports career development. This is a brand new place where I'll be having a community that can grow and thrive with regards to their sports career development. There'll be online resources, Q&As with me, and much more. So if you want more information about this community, go to sportscareer.club for more information. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is Lauren Tickner. Lauren is an entrepreneur and the CEO and founder of Impact School, where she specializes in helping businesses use systems to run the business effectively. So for that reason, it's such a joy to have Lauren as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Lauren will share her business career journey and explain to you the benefits of having systems in a business. Lauren, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please do share to the listeners your business career journey. When did it all start? Oh, well, it began without me ever thinking that I would be an entrepreneur. And it's interesting because you always hear of people like Gary Vee say that he had like a lemonade stand as a kid. And Andy Frisella was starting when he was like, I don't know, 12. But for me, it was never that way. I always envisioned myself climbing the corporate ladder because at the age of 18, straight after school, I went and worked in asset management. And my dream was to become the CEO of that company, the first female CEO pretty much in this industry. And it's interesting because, you know, I think so often we get attached to an identity and that identity doesn't serve us because we see the potential of who we could be, but we aren't necessarily embodying that. And so then there's this disconnect between who we are now and who we want to be. But we also have this idyllic dream of the person that we see ourselves as in the future, which means that sometimes we are automatically saying no to the best thing for us. So it's kind of like, let's say you're in a bad relationship, okay? And you're walking down the street and your dream partner could walk right past you, but you might not even notice them because you are basically saying no to everyone else because you're with that one person. Whereas you'd be better off sucking it up for a minute, ending that unhealthy relationship, and then seeing what else is out there for you. So to your point, I'm not going to get into the whole story because I've got like a two hour podcast on my YouTube channel. But basically, I started out through having an Instagram account in the fitness industry because I lost a bunch of weight in a really unhealthy way. And then I wanted to connect with other girls that were into lifting. And I found this whole community of people and I saw them doing this fitness coaching thing. And I was like, 
what's that you know and it looked really great because these people could train whenever they wanted to and they were always traveling the world they were building this big audience on social media and then I kind of started posting but my account was private because I didn't want people to take the mick out of me and bully me from for doing like a personal brand because back eight years ago that was not a normal thing to do especially in the UK being in sixth form right I was like 17 and so I kept it private but no one was engaging back with me so I thought screw it I'll make it public and I started to make some great friends and get invited to events everyone found it they ripped me to shreds it's funny because some of those dudes now like they asked me for jobs it's, it's it's hilarious but you know we're calm now but it was mortifying at the time but I realized that you know what all these people around me like I don't feel like I fit in with them but these people online I feel like I connect with them so why am I gonna try be like everyone else around me who I don't align with when I can just be a bit weird and different and actually be like the people and myself and actually build great relationships. So that's what I did. So I then went and worked in asset management, quit that job because it was making me miserable. And my parents said to me, you know, we've lost the Lauren that we used to know. And that was pretty, a pretty sad of a moment because I always wanted to make my parents proud because my younger brother is disabled. And so he is, you know, he's two years younger than me, but his mental age is like two, right? And so I always wanted to, yeah, just kind of, make something happen and because he's had his freedom stripped away from him at birth I always kind of felt this sense of like I have to kind of live his life on behalf of him and make my family proud and then when I left that job my dad was really disappointed because he wanted me to work in finance right but you know I mean it wasn't happening and then blah 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 like I went and started like online coaching, went to uni, dropped out of uni after my first year because none of my professors had ever had their own business. And it was supposedly the UK's number one business degree. And this story could be really long, but to the point, like I did fitness coaching for a long time, mastered that, scaled that, systematized that, built a team. People started asking me because I was sponsored by Gymshark. And when we got dropped, like loads of my friends and I, who were all sponsored by Gymshark, we all got dropped. And then people were basically saying like, how are you still making money? I realized I had like a click funnels, like share funnel that I could share. And I would make like 30 bucks a month if my friends used my, my funnel. And I thought passive income, like, oh yeah, everyone's always talking about seven streams of income. Like I shared this with them. And then they started using it. Some of these dudes like launched these offers. They made millions in their first launch because they had millions of followers. And then they started talking about it on Snapchat. Basically, that's how Impact School was born. And so, yeah, that's like kind of long because it's been like eight years now, which is kind of crazy. So that's that. I just love your energy, firstly. And there will be a link to that full video on YouTube where you can watch the whole story i want to go back in time because just to put things in perspective i've been following lauren for at least four years through a workshop through david garland all about instagram and one thing i just love we'll talk about in a bit more detail about the power of storytelling but i just want to go back in time just decode a little bit because you mentioned about gary v i know you've done like podcasts with dean grazioski what i'm trying to say in america entrepreneurship's that vibe but uk i find it very hard to follow entrepreneurs that who are UK because we can connect like Rob Moore I do I know you've been to some clubhouse so I'm just curious of going back to your early 20s when you're in the fitness space and pivoting when did you realize like building a personal brand is something you can use as an asset but also leverage with those connections as well like because everybody sees you where you are now which people think oh you're super successful but at the beginning I bet you had to find your steps of like you said envisioning yourself 
to where you want to go. So I want to go back to when you're like early 20s or when per- building a personal brand was important. Just a few years ago, no one was interested in talking to me. So I would go to events and I'd be like this 17 year old kid in the room with like a tiny audience and nothing to show for anything. But the whole point was that I was in the room. I made an active effort to go. So I started finding events that were going on around me. Maybe they were like small workshops or this like little company was doing this launch. And then at the beginning, I connected with some PR agencies because they started saying, hey, do you want me to send you some products? And I said to them back, I was like, yeah, like, cool, sounds good. If you ever have anything else, I would love to go. I was working in London at the time. So after work, I would basically leave and I would go to these events and stay at these events till like 10 at night. And I had to be back on the train in the morning at like 6.01. But I made time for it because I knew that this was going to be the one thing that would allow me to build the connections. So I knew, I always knew that having a personal brand could be one of the most powerful things because businesses you can buy and sell, right? But a personal brand stays with you forever. And so I learned that through so many things, but I really think the the first time I realized like quite how important it was, was when I closed my first deal in fitness coaching when I was 17 and I was charging a high ticket price point. And I think at the time I must have charged like three grand or something for a fitness program. And that was like really high ticket. I didn't know what to charge. Right. And so I just kind of spoke to a few people and saw what they were doing. And I knew that I could either charge like 20 bucks or 20 pounds, should I say, or go high ticket. And I just went the high ticket route and they were just buying that because they trusted me. And I had no business. I had no company. I had no website. I had no nothing. They just wanted to work with me directly. Now, obviously, there's a downside to that as you begin to scale. But it was the first moment I realized, wow, like there's really something to this. And that's more than I was making per month at the time in my job. And so, well, yeah, because I was doing waitressing at that time. So then I stopped all that. Right. And so, I mean, I just think there's power in having both. But the more I have got into business, the more I've realized that And this is my belief right now, right? Not to say that this won't change in the future, but right now, my belief is that having a personal brand and then having a business or multiple businesses separate is is the, the best way to do things and treating them as their own separate entities. Because I learned the hard way that when your business is fully reliant on your personal brand, then you don't have enough systems, your team aren't necessarily able to step in. So a big shift that we had to make over the past couple of years is positioning myself internally as the business owner and the leader of the business versus the manager of the team and then positioning me externally. So in our marketing as the owner of this systems and coaching business versus the one who is the coach. So I am the leader of the business. I'm the owner, but I'm not the coach. And so that's been a big shift that we've had to make over the years. Can we do an example? Because I remember from that uh, DG training that even your Instagram handle, if I'm correct, had fitness in it. And you said you had to rechange your like basically uh, Instagram handles. So it was more related to your personal brand. So for people listening, can we just give that as one example of like having your handles separate to your business page? just to get that division is that what you also mean too of getting that clear cut 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about it like that. But yeah, I mean, any assets, mm-hmm. really. So for example, like my, yeah, my Instagram was Lauren Fitness. I mean, that shift was more so because I wasn't doing fitness anymore. And so I don't even do the fitness side of things now. I take equity in some of my clients, and they have fitness businesses. But I'm not actually leading and owning fully a fitness coaching company. But then as an example, I have like all of my social media as me. And then I have my impact school, social media as impact school. And then all the other companies that I have minority shares in, they all have their own assets, their own websites, their own teams and everything. And most of them, I'm not even involved in the day-to-day running. So I may, I'm more, more like a, a, a board seat, like a strategic advisor, like I would do with any impact school client, but on a higher level. And obviously I have equity interest in that. So and also want to touch on, because again, this was actually on your Facebook, you shared that when you were working, you're working in sales. And I always like to touch on this to people who are listening and like the qualities to be a good salesperson. Could you just share like looking back how improving this skill has supported you running multiple businesses? But I just want people to learn like where's the first step to be good in sales? So about a year and a half ago, my COO, Noor, she was my operations manager at the time, she came out to Dubai and stayed with me for a couple of weeks. And a couple of days after she was there, she, we sat down at dinner and she just said to me, like, you always push the boat out. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you always stretch your boundaries. Like you try your luck. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, for example, I'll be in a restaurant, right? And I'll like have just some banter with the person on the front of the restaurant. Like uh, they'll have a table that's reserved in the best spot. And I'll say to them, oh, so you saved the best table for me. I'll say something like that, right? Like an assumptive close. And I didn't know this was an assumptive close at the time. And then they'll be like, oh, we have some people coming. And I'm like, really? So so, so when's it gonna be taken? And then they'll be like, oh, like 9 p.m. And I'm like, well, it's only seven. Come on, let's sit here for two hours. And so then they'll just, like they let you, right? And it's like, I heard one time, I don't remember who said this, but, it's like go into a coffee shop and ask, hey, can I have a free coffee? Just try it. And so I always like to do something every day that's weird, that makes me feel uncomfortable as hell. So whenever I go for a restaurant, I will do something weird. Same thing, like um, we, I, I, there are so many examples that I can think of, but it's just like cheeky, just being cheeky and just being able to read the person that you're talking to. And I would say that it's not even really sales. It's just understanding people. And it's interesting because Jordan Peterson, he talks a lot about like the difference between men and women from like a psychology standpoint. And so men are more interested in things and women are more interested in people. How come most men are typically the ones that are good at sales and I think it's because the men that are really good at sales are very interested in people and the women are often afraid to be cheeky whereas men tend to lean more on being a little bit more cheeky like that so in my opinion like it's sales is kind of just about how good can your banter be because when you've got great banter then you can make the other person laugh and they're naturally going to be leaning more into being interested with you now obviously I could get into like all the tactical things to do with sales, like the strategic stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're confident in knowing that what you do works, then you will do whatever it takes to sell that thing. Like I have no issues selling anything related to Impact School or any of the other companies that I'm associated with because I believe in them and I wouldn't put my name behind it if I didn't. And that's why everything we do, we offer a guarantee. And so 
I think until you're so confident that you can offer a guarantee, like you're not going to be so confident in sales because if you can't sell something with 100% certainty, and if you can't literally say, I will guarantee you that I will get you these results, then there's something missing in your system. And then I think that's when it comes down to going back and looking into everything that you're doing and improving that. And obviously that's part of what we do at Impact School. Absolutely. And we might as well touch on it because it's today's podcast topic. I know you've got, there's a great Instagram reel, which I will share with the show notes, but just for people listening in, like what are the benefits of having systems in a business? Like just for people listening in who are trying to set their own business up, but how are systems looking back supported you? If you don't have systems in your business, then it's guesswork every time. So let's just say you're onboarding a new client. Well, if you have a checklist to follow, aka a system to make sure that they get a quick win within the first 20 minutes of signing up with you, that they get their agreement sent, that you've tracked that you've received their payment, that you've tracked that they've signed their agreement, that you've tracked that they've had their first call, that you've tracked that they have all the material they need. Like you can literally tick the box off every single step of the way. And of course you can automate a lot of this. So not only does it ensure that you as a business know that you have everything you need from the client, the client also then ensures that we ensure that they get what they need. And it means that you don't forget anything, but it also means that you don't have to think about it because you know that it's going to get done. It's like you make the decision once, you build the thing once, and then it's built and then you use it forever more. And obviously you can tweak it as you scale. And let's say you bring on new different team members who need to be alerted about different things. You can obviously do that. But Like if you don't have systems, then you're pretty much just trying to figure it out each and every single time, um, which is, I think is a very dangerous place to be. Because like, if you got hit by a bus, would your business live on? And if the answer to that is no, then that is really, really risky. And it means that you are, you know, it's not just you that's going to be a victim to that, but it's also going to be your clients. And if you have a team, your team too. So out of interest, do you give yourself a time period for each system like if we go back to your first ever client for three grand in the fitness space, just as an example, like how long would you give that time period to make sure the system works or a time to review? If it broke, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what my grandma always used to say. So you can always test things to see if it will work. And again, that's when it comes down to being a bit cheeky and pushing your boundaries out a little bit. But I don't really believe in trying to tweak things if I don't really need to change something like As an example, right now, our process of selling in the DMs is dialed in. Like it is dialed in, it works. Our process for reconnecting with the leads that don't close, dialed in, perfect, sorted. Why am I going to waste energy there when I could now put my attention on growth in another area? Right. So unless I have some huge revelation and I speak to someone and this whole thing is like amazing and whatever, then like I might go ahead and test something, but I wouldn't test it on every channel as an example. So we have multiple different traffic sources, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, as an example, right now, obviously this might change in the future, but I would test it on one of the platforms where I'm the least dependent. So maybe I would test it on the Impact School Instagram, or I would test it on LinkedIn first. I wouldn't do it everywhere. Regarding you with, with getting podcasts on guests on your show, you could just A-B test, right? Like let's say there's 10 potential guests here, 10 potential guests there with a tweak, and then you compare the results. But I don't really focus my energy like that. At Impact School, we have a framework, which is VILE, V-I-L-E. Vital, these are like oxygen to your business. So I see vital things as what is bringing me money in? And then in exchange for that money, what is the client in need of? 
That is vital because a business is there to make profit. And I know some people will say passion, profit. I see it as a continuum, right? And at some moments in time, you're going to be less passionate about building out a project management system because you've just hired five new people. Like maybe that's not your passion, but maybe it's something that's vital for the business to actually be able to breathe. So we have the vital stuff. And then once that's sorted, kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once it's churning and those needs are met, then you can move into the important. So this is stuff that is probably necessary, but only once your main vital needs are met. So once you have money coming in consistently, and once those clients are getting the results that they signed up for, that they gave you money for consistently, then you can move on to the important. So maybe it's like, having a YouTube channel or having a podcast or building a website or going and speaking at events, whatever it happens to be, whatever that is. Okay. And then beyond that, then we have luxury. Now luxury stuff only happens once the vital and the important are being handled properly. And when I say handled properly, I mean, there are standard operating objectives that happen on a daily, weekly, and or monthly basis with checklists to follow so that you yourself can do it or your team can do it. And you know that they're being done properly. You do not move into luxury until that's done because otherwise I made this mistake before. I'll give you an example. So I remember I said to my team, I was like, okay, we are going to seriously grow our podcast right now. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. We're going to get it everywhere. We're going to make a sizzle reel. We're going to do all this. It's going to be so nice. It's going to be awesome, blah, blah, blah. And so we shifted so much of our energy and focus onto that, that the day-to-day runnings were hard. And it meant that clients weren't getting feedback as quickly as they should have been. It meant that we were on these really long, boring team calls all the time discussing the strategy because there was so much operational drag behind what we were trying to do. And operational drag is essentially the cost of doing business in a non-financial sense directly, because obviously there probably is financial consequences of that. But like every single person you bring onto the team now needs to be managed. Every single project that you start doing, it now has operations behind it that are required for it to get done. So who's going to manage the project management board? Who's going to click the buttons? Who's going to build the pages? Who's going to contact the people? Who's going to tell the clients? Like all of this stuff is operational drag, right? And so my aim right now is to eliminate as much operational drag as possible because E is eliminate. And so I want to eliminate anything that's not vital or important because if it's anything beyond that, it's just probably not necessary. And usually I've realized that whenever I try and do something that's like a luxury, it's probably because I want to stroke my ego a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope people are taking notes. And Lauren, thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to just move on to now adversity. And this is the benefits of using um, systems because there's one story I've got to share because it I was literally, I had a tear because I'm a podcaster. But when I saw your Facebook post, I think it was end of last year when your uh, podcast got hacked. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I, and, and I'm so grateful for you sharing that story because it shows that your storytelling, you're authentic, but may I ask, reflecting from that experience, how having systems can really help you manage this type of adversity, which is out of your control. And we will talk about your podcast, I want to talk about it heavily, but I just want to talk about the adversity aside where systems can benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you have systems, then if everything was taken away from you tomorrow, then you know how to rebuild and you can do it like that. 
Whereas if you don't have systems and you have to think about it all from scratch and I didn't have the right systems behind my podcast. Yeah. I had cool guests like Grant Cardone, Dean Graziosi, Chris Voss, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't have the right systems. And also it wasn't even vital or important, frankly, like, yeah, we had like so many downloads on my show, but when I actually think, how was I making money? It wasn't even from the podcast. Yes. Of course, some of our clients would listen to the, some of our potential clients would listen listen to the podcast and then they join impact school but it wasn't like 100% vital you know so for a long time we didn't do it um it definitely did harm the brand uh because we didn't have it because some people were just asking like hey like you talked about this in this youtube video but I can't find the podcast episode but at the end of the day like we had to make a decision as to what is vital and important for us right now so um yeah I mean look I think if you don't have systems it's just like you just kind of have your brain and you're just operating on the fly. And I always just like to ask people, you know, if let's say your mom or your dad or your sister or brother or kid or best friend was in hospital and you had to look after them for two months, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to your income? You have to get real with yourself sometimes because if you wouldn't be able to continue to produce money, then that's a very dangerous place to be. Again, because... You probably have a business because you're good at what you do. And so if you are taken away from the business and it won't run without you, then that means that your clients who are going to be able to get your help, they won't get your help because they'll go to someone else. And that other person may be a scammer. They may not be great at what they do and they might not produce the results. So in my opinion, as a business leader, it is our ethical duty, not only to sell our stuff to the people, but also to make sure that the business is a machine and not just your brain. Because that's when it gets dangerous. Miles, for a personal note with that podcast example, and as an entrepreneur in general, how you deal with adversity like that, because there's all well making a mistake when you can control, but when you are other people who damage I'm just intrigued of do you, how do you move on from those sort of examples? I know you kindly shared another one where you hired somebody it didn't work out. And I'm, I've always admired that from you because I'm like, damn, like, gosh, if Lauren can get through this, I had a bad experience on a website developer. So now I do it myself. But I'm just saying those stories, I, I learn more than your successes. And I'm just intrigued how you manage it from a mindset perspective. I don't think you move on from failure. I think you learn from it and then you grow. So rather than moving on, like it's always going to be in the back of my mind. I am extremely paranoid. I'm extremely untrusting. And I do not risk everything anymore. I risk in some areas, but I will never put full trust in people. That's why there needs to be checks and balances when hiring people. And that's why they won't get given access to absolutely everything. Right. So, I mean, there's I'm always going through something. Anyone that is in the public eye or has a business, like there's always some really, really shit thing happening at that time that they may not even be able to speak about. So the worst thing that's ever happened is happening to me right now. It's happening maybe for me right now. I'm not going to talk about it at the moment while I'm going through it. I can't talk about it right now. However, what I've learned is a fucking lot. (laughs) And you best believe that it's shown me again as to why I should never... um, make a decision like I shouldn't I learned that I should never ever make a decision based upon lack and urgency especially when hiring and so when you have this reactive 
desperate need to hire or you hear about this one thing that you could do and you're rushing to implement it then you're potentially feeling that dopamine and then you're only seeing that one thing and it's like you see oh well this person has that business so they're really successful so that's probably a better business so why don't I go ahead quit what I'm doing now and start this business but then you don't see all the operational drag and the people problems that come with that business and all of the other issues that could potentially happen, right? So like, that's just an example. But to be honest, I think I've been through so much crap now that, I mean, it's just part of it, right? As you scale. And it's like, kind of fun sometimes. Maybe that's a bit psychopathic of me, but keeps you on your feet, right? And you can learn. On the other side, the positive side, how all the experiences looking back kept you grounded? Because look, I'm not going to lie, when I've seen pictures of you in Dubai and sharing like what's possible to people, that's what you've taught me. Do those moments go actually the negative counterbalance the positives of the lifestyle and, and most importantly, the impact you have with your clients, by the way, as well? I want the listener to see, hear both sides of the story. That's why I asked that question. The negative side of business is just the cost of doing business. because. I think that half of life will always be good and half of life will be bad. And ultimately, it's your perception of the moment that defines that. And so when we stop placing judgment on ourselves of feeling like every single moment needs to be great, I think we realize that we're human. And the shit that happens humbles you and it grounds you and it makes you realize that you're not immortal and you are a person who is going to make mistakes, who is going to have people do weird things to you, especially as you get more and more quote unquote success, right? Because the more people see that you have something, the more that you have to lose and the more they have to gain potentially. And so you always have to remember that. Like if I lost everything today, I have the systems to rebuild it. And also I have the experience and and, and the knowledge that I've learned from those mistakes. So I really, I I was talking to Noor about this the other day. She's the COO of Impact School. And we were, this is when we were running our event. And we were just kind of reflecting because it was the first time we'd ever done an in-person event. And I was just saying like, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Like she, she organized it all within three weeks and it was just insane. And we were just kind of looking back on everything that we've been through. And when I look at our relationship, times that we've got through the really really hard stuff is when our relationship is strengthened and I think at the end of the day it's the relationships that we have and getting through something with someone or with other people that you then triumph through some crazy failure of some sort that's when you build this bond like nothing else and so I mean this woman is just phenomenal and Like, I'm so grateful for that and also just like a lot of my other team. But that's only really happened through the tough times. And of course, the successes are great, but to me, they're inevitable. And so the things that aren't inevitable are the exact failures that will happen. Failures are inevitable too. So I see where we're going. I know that we'll get there. But I think the failures that happen along the way are there to teach you something. And every time I'm going through Every time something really bad happens, I ask myself, what is this teaching me right now? It's kind of like when you're working out too hard and then you pull your hamstring. 
what is this telling you? Why is it making you slow down? You know, because you're usually overreaching in some way, maybe not physically, but maybe mentally, maybe in a relationship in some way, shape or form. And so I always look at situations from more of a 360 degree viewpoint rather than so black and white. And I feel like it allows me to make better decisions. So like to answer your question, adversity, I mean, it's really weird, but I just think that it's part of it. And I don't waste my energy on like personal problems. So a lot of people get in these terrible toxic relationships and they're always fighting with their partner. And so I was thinking about this the other day when something bad happened and I had that like moment, like that momentary feeling of anxiety. I was thinking, you know what? This is like the feeling I used to get when I had an argument with someone in school. And then I was thinking, this is really interesting because the only difference is that this is to do with money. And like, it's like that. And I was like, hmm. so it's the same feeling. Like, it's just that the circumstance is different. So all I need to do is change the way that I'm thinking about this circumstance. And then my feeling towards it will change. And then I'm going to feel fine. And so then I just asked myself, what can I learn from this? And then I was fine. So I'm sorry if I don't have a good answer to that. You're a brilliant answer. And I'm going to just emphasize what you're sharing is about reflection, right? Like, that's I hope the people are taking notes. So I'm just curious, would you say that self-reflection has been the key to the success of to where you are now and what the benefits of this self-reflection period you have with regards to your growth? I do think a lot, like I spend a lot of time thinking, but I used to think and journal and things like that. I don't do that anymore. Honestly, I don't even journal at all. I don't do, I don't do any of these routines. I don't do any of them. I do nothing. Actually, I go to the gym and I take a walk. I don't, do like specific stuff these days um I did it for a long time do I think that's the key for my success um it's just there's so many different factors right and if someone's going to tell you there's like one key for success no no I'm not there's two points effective questioning what did I learn from this and you speaking with your team or reflecting they're the two things I've learned when you're sharing the storytelling of that point. I just want the listeners to take note that that to me is a quality that shines, which I, we, I'm i in awe, Lauren. I don't like praising people the sake of it. I really mean it. But I think that is a two components, questioning and self-reflection, I think, um, I think has been a key. That was all, not overall success, just success of growth. You know, that's what I mean. So could you just share like, I know you say you don't have habits or patterns, but do you have periods of when you like take that self note? I definitely have habits and patterns. I just don't have like very specific things that I have to do it every yeah. time, every day, because they become debilitating. So I used to do self hypnosis every morning for like two hours, for, for 20 minutes, sorry, um, for like two, more than two years. That's what I meant to say. Um, and I go for a walk every day. But like, I think, I think the real thing. I think the real point of this is I just know what values I want my life to be centered around. And so then everything I do, every decision I make, every conversation I aim to have needs to be around that. So for me, I want to live a life of freedom and fulfillment. And that is very important to me. And obviously I want to be healthy while I'm doing so, both physically and mentally. And so then I optimize for that. And so if I'm in a situation whereby I feel like I'm getting trapped into this really negative spiral, then I have to ask myself, how is this serving me? 
And then I'm able to create freedom in my mind from constraint and from being held back from what I ultimately want to be doing. Simultaneously, let's say I have all the freedom in the world and I'm traveling and I'm making loads of money, but I'm not feeling fulfilled in what I'm doing. Then I have to go back to the drawing board and ask, why am I doing this? What's not fulfilling to me? Because I had this in the past when I was selling fitness programs and they were just like 45 to 55 pounds. So like 60 bucks or so to get a workout plan. And I was selling thousands of these things, but I didn't feel the impact in what I was doing because people were just buying a program. There was no intimate connection. I wasn't getting any feedback. And that was not rewarding for me by any means. And so although I had freedom, it wasn't the type of freedom that I was looking for because there was no fulfillment tied in. So when I'm going through any tough moment and when I'm looking at how can I grow from this, I pretty much ask myself, how can I make this fit around my values? And what do I value most in this situation? Something I'm going through right now, I had to ask my team and I had to ask Nora as well, what do we really value the most here? You know, why are we doing this? What got us started with this in the first place? Because sometimes when you get into a project or whatever it happens to be, you can kind of lose sight of what got you started. And then you have to really, really go back to that. So we figured out what we value in this unique situation. And then we had to recalibrate ourselves to optimize for that. So that's kind of how I do things. It's like, I have these overall values in my life that every business venture, every relationship, every single thing that I do fits into that. And then in the unique circumstances as well, I then ask, how can we optimize this for our values? And then that's how I'm able to stay enjoying what I do. So sometimes when I'm like really, really tired, I'm asking myself, you know, what's missing here? Like, why am I so exhausted? And then I notice, oh, well, I feel like I have freedom because I do, I'm traveling and I'm making a lot of money and I'm serving my clients, but actually I'm getting too attached to taking these really long walks every day or these really long workouts. And although that could be seen as something that's healthy, maybe actually it's making me exhausted and maybe mentally I'm getting addicted to it. So I have to then step back from that and look at what I'm doing because these things tend to be coping mechanisms. So then I have to ask myself, so why am I taking such a long walk every day? Why am I buffering? What am I afraid of doing? And it's usually I'm afraid of having a conversation with someone whereby I need to let them go or making a decision to stop doing some massive project that we spent three years on and we've spent hundreds of thousands or millions on, right? So these are the different things that I've noticed. And I think to your point, I've realized what it is. It's not just self-reflection, but it's just self-awareness as a whole and knowing intuitively what you need to do in that moment to be able to get to where you want to get to. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Absolutely. Again, I hope people are taking notes. Could you just share to the listeners, though, your podcast and what Impact School is all about? If they just want more information in general. Yeah. So listen to Impact School podcast. It's funny because the name of my company, Impact School, came after the podcast. So I actually had Impact School and then I was just like selling these programs when I was making that pivot from the personal brand to the actual company. And I said to someone on my team, I was like, what about Impact School? She was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great name. So um, what we do at Impact School is we essentially provide the systems. And look, my business philosophy is let systems run the business 
and let people run those systems. So for our clients, we have all the systems that we then work with you to implement into your business. And so a lot of people ask me, well, Lauren, how long does this take? And what I'll always say is how long are you spending on your business every day? And imagine if you could get 80% of that time back through eliminating a lot of the stuff that you think is the right thing to do when really we actually know what's vital, right? So we take you through the roadmap of going, Kate, let's get this vital stuff done. Let's get it implemented so that you have consistent clients coming in and those clients are being served consistently. And let's scale that revenue. Then we'll move into the important. So all the fancy stuff you want to do on social media, podcasts, blah, blah, blah. And then how can we optimize that for the vital? So how can we take the important stuff and make sure that it's actually getting the business to grow and your clients to get better results, right? So make more money per customer, for example, building an entire referral system. Um, and then from there, yeah, I mean, look, we are very, very hands-on. Every single person who comes into Impact School, they get a one-on-one coach or systems implementer, right? As you want to call it, same thing. Um, and uh, really, it's like super, super handheld. We have more than 10 live sessions going on each week for our clients too, because we have two sort of phases, the validate phase for people that are less than 10K per month, and then lead and scale for people who are working towards 500K per month. And then if someone's beyond that, then you can just contact me directly and we can have a conversation. But the interesting thing is that as people move into the lead and scale, what we actually do is we work with their team. So we don't just work with the entrepreneur up to three members of team can get trained by us so they can build out all the internal operations and the entrepreneur can work on the delegation and the leadership side of things. So yeah, we kind of have like this 360 degree um, approach and we have built everything. So all our clients have to do is they work with us to implement it directly for themselves. And we have a guarantee for every single client that comes in. So we guarantee that we'll work with them until they make their investment back. So usually our programs are six months long. But if for whatever reason, they haven't made it back by the end of the six months, we'll keep working with them till they do. But of course, they also have all of the systems in their business as well. So yeah, we just want to make sure that we are getting, you know, five star results for every single client. And maybe I should say seven star because I'm based in Dubai, right? So that's what they're all about. And uh, yeah, I mean, we love it. And I hire the best of the best. And that's a big thing that I've learned too. You know, I poach people uh, from other companies if I feel like I need to. So it's good. Well, there'll be more information in the show notes where you can contact Lauren or a team direct. Out of interest, Lauren, like what have you enjoyed the most from your business journey looking back right now? I think it's just about the people that you connect with. Like, you know, we got to connect. I think you have great energy and it's just cool to be able to meet people that are weird and obsessed with business like me. And that's that's my favorite thing, honestly. Um for a long time before I really got started in this, I always like, why am I so different to everyone else? Like I was always interested in like the internet and just different things like that. And um, it's really cool because yeah, it's just the relationships that you build and the depth of conversation that you get to have. I just think it's it's beautiful and being able to travel and doing it with people that I love and care about is just so amazing. So that's what I like the most. Absolutely. And that's how it should be with regards to the PPME and the new conversations. Now, as always, Lauren, I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. And you've provided bags already from different points of view, systems, confidence, self-awareness. But from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like what three qualities have supported you, which you could share to listeners now of being an entrepreneur? I've learned that the most successful entrepreneurs that I've met are extremely curious to the point where when you're talking to them, they will ask you so many in-depth questions 
another trait that I feel like entrepreneurs have is like this resilience because if they fail then they'll just do something else and I think the other thing is just like an obsession obsession with learning like just obsessed and I think that ties into the curiosity but they never stop it's like you know it's like I was thinking about this earlier like I was thinking because I was thinking about someone who works in a pub and I was like oh they take their days off on Monday and Tuesday instead of Saturday and Sunday and then I was thinking like huh I don't feel like I need days off. It's just, I just don't feel like I need that or want that. Like if I'm taking time off, maybe I'm off my laptop or off my phone, but I'll always be thinking, but I just don't see work as work. And this is actually a debate I had with my partner. We were debating about work because he was saying like work is the doing of business. And I was saying like, no, work is the part of the doing of anything that you hate. That's for me how I see work because I don't want to do work. I never work. I really rarely work because I'll work for a little bit. I build a system around it so I don't have to do that again. And it may be some piece of automation or it may just be that my team will then execute on the task. And there are people out there who love the work that you hate. And so that's how I see work. I, I don't see it as the same thing as most other people. And because like, if I'm outside listening to a podcast, like, is that work? I mean, it could be seen as that, but to me it's not. And so, yeah, that's kind of my perspective. Like, I think it's just this harmony between the two, if that makes sense. It makes more than sense. And I think, like you say about being curious, it's something I've learned on this podcast. I just get fascinated with the questions I ask. And again, I hope the listeners are taking notes, which they can apply to their personal development. Out of interest, Lauren, like where are the best places for listeners to go to connect with you? Any platform, just send me a message. I'm active mainly. If you message me actually on Twitter, you'll be most likely to actually get me. So Twitter's good. Instagram's cool too. Um, just might be someone from my team. Just kind of depends, right? Sometimes I see it. Facebook, like any of the platforms. Facebook, LinkedIn, it's always my name, Lauren Tickner, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-C-K-N-E-R. You can find me anywhere. But yeah, like I've actually been doing a lot on Twitter recently. I even had a tweet go viral yesterday. That was fun. Whoa, cool. Well, all those links will be on my podcast with regards to this episode. Lauren, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. What an awesome podcast chat with Lauren. And it was such a joy to have the opportunity to have her on the show. And I hope you learn as much as I did during that podcast conversation. From a podcast topic perspective, I hope you've got a better understanding with regards to the power of using systems with regards to your business. And for me, I learned a lot. And the biggest takeaway for me was a quote Lauren shared was, if you did get hit by a bus, would your business carry on? Now, I know that's very extreme, but if you look at it from a quote standpoint of the benefits of having systems when you're not in the business, it sort of reminded me the power of having systems in the work I do. So I hope you have taken a few notes from a business standpoint, which you can apply to your business straight away. But from a different point of view, actually the most enjoyable side of the conversation I took from and enjoyed the most was the contrast of adversity with regards to success when you're an entrepreneur, but also the fulfillment of when you are successful. So it's sort of like that double part of the conversation, which I enjoyed the most, that adversity is just part of the process that's what Lauren said right at the end and without it it wouldn't feel just as good with the successes they do have and the growth they have 
especially with regards to the power of having that self-awareness with your team or every important metric of your growth. It could be from a company standpoint or it could be from a personal brand standpoint. Like That self-awareness piece discussed in our podcast can be applied to you as the individual or a business organization. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much that you can uh, see from different points of view, but the lessons that Lauren was sharing is applicable, and that to me is why I really enjoyed that segment of the conversation. But from a career development standpoint, or entrepreneurial standpoint, I should say, I hope you understood the importance of curiosity. Like that was the first trait that Lauren shared that successful entrepreneurs she has met have that curiosity and asking questions. I think if you can apply that trait to yourself, to your personal development, to your business development in what you're trying to achieve, you're going to meet more exciting people. You're going to grow even more with the more effective questions you ask. And most importantly, you're going to grow as an individual. So I'm really curious. Yes, putting you on the spot. I mean, you the listener. What is your biggest takeaway from this podcast chat, which you're going to apply to your personal or business development? Let me know at edbowers101 on Twitter and Instagram. DM me if you like, because I want to hear what you've taken from this podcast and how you're going to apply it to your self-development now, moving forward. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Lauren said, don't be shy to push the boundaries and know your values on the life you want to live by in everything you do.